Warning, this podcast contains themes of sexual assault and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. If this raises any concerns for you, please contact Lifeline at 13 11 14. Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I chat to Sky Blue Henderson. Sky and her brother Jake were recently eliminated from the Amazing Race Australia. Sky wants to use this experience to tell her story and help others after losing her hand at birth and giving up year 12 to look after her mum. Then later on, lifeguard Baxi joins me for Beach Banner and I go to the mailbag to answer questions from the fans. Okay, this week it's very exciting. I've got uh, Sky Blue Henderson in the beach shack. Welcome, Sky. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's you know it's good to have a have a chat. And uh, obviously, recently uh, you uh, were in the Amazing Race Australia. So tell us a little bit about that. You did that with your your brother, was it? Yeah, I did it with my older brother. So I got two brothers, but yeah, did the big Amazing Race with Jake. And um, most amazing thing I've ever done in my life, hands down. Well, I'll tell you what, if I did it with my brother, we'd be probably punching on every five minutes. So how, did, were there any arguments in there? Did you have any massive blow-ups for people that, that haven't seen the show? I think you'll still be able to see it on um, 10 Play. It's on na- uh, Network 10. So if anyone out there that wants to catch up, you can pretty much catch up on it. So, yeah, how was that? Was there any blow-ups? Surprisingly, no. I mean, we obviously had our tips like every sibling's would. But no massive, huge blowouts. There is a, yeah, few few hiccups every now and again. But overall, it was actually pretty good. I mean, we ended up swimming naked together. It was a challenge, <laughs> not not by you know choice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bit but, um, daunting, no, wouldn't it? <laughs> swimming naked with your brother. <laughs> yeah, naked in Tasmania. You know what they say about siblings, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Um, also, was there any challenges that you thought that like when you're going in obviously you had no idea about you know obviously we everyone's watched the show at some stage but were there anything in there that was a, a bit like oh geez I, I didn't expect that it'd be that difficult I mean we probably struggle the most with dance challenges right. I'm not a dancer I will never pretend or anything to be a dancer I suck well they say oh, <laughs> I you're probably I- you're probably a bit young to know Thunderbirds but they sort of say I, I dance like Thunderbirds so yeah, I'm pretty uh, much on the same path there. Yeah, so the dancing challenges were pretty difficult. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'll never eat an oyster again in my life, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like the oysters? No, especially when you have to eat 100 of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a massive challenge, that one. Although I don't mind oysters, so I probably would go close to eating 100. I'd probably feel a bit sick well, after. Well, you can gladly take my place for that any <laughs> I'd be getting lost all the time in the uh, trying to work out where I'm meant to be at each time. Yeah. <laughs> so the show, um, what what sort of made you want to go on the show in the first place? 
Um, it was actually Jake's idea. Um, it was just a random throwaway comment that he had, but I had a certain message that I wanted to get out there and I figured the amazing race is probably the best possible platform to do that, which is obviously like I was, I was born with, with one hand. And ever since I was little, you know, doing swimming lessons, I was told that I wouldn't be able to do things. And, you know, that's obviously progressed throughout my life. And, you know, the, doing the amazing race gave me that opportunity and that platform to have a voice and actually show people that, you know, no matter your difference, no matter who you are, what you look like, what people think of you, as long as you believe in yourself and you have the drive and determination and you can 100% achieve it. Yeah, that's 100% right. And, um, well, let's uh, go back then. And, and how did you lose your hand for people that don't know? And uh, let's start the story from there and, and we'll go through the, the challenges you must have felt and uh, had during that time and, you know, throughout your life. Yeah, well, um, for most of my life, I actually told people I was attacked by a shark. Um, <laughs> That's not a bad story. <laughs> um, and I actually had my story down pat. It was so yeah, believable. Yeah. Um, but I was actually born like that and it was in my mum's womb, the umbilical cord wrapped around and very much like a sheep's tail, I guess. It sort of just constricted it and I don't know if it dropped yeah. off or if it just stopped growing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, pretty much like that and... That hurt my mum, I guess, when I was born because they didn't actually know. And when I was born, they sort of took me away straight away and they're just like, you know, what's what's wrong with my baby? And they just wrapped me up and gave me back to her without actually telling her. And it wasn't until, like, she unravelled my blanket that she saw. Oh, right. So it was a shock for her. But ever since I was little, I've had people, you know, say that I can't do things straight off from swimming. Um, at swimming lessons, they're like, oh, she'll never be able to swim in anything but a circle. Um, which I dominate at swimming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously I'm a lifeguard, so I've seen plenty of people swimming uh, down the beach in the pools and everything. And, yeah, I mean, I've seen plenty of people with uh, all kinds of uh, issues that they, you know, that they can do it. As long as you put your mind to it, you can uh, you can do anything you want. 100%. So as you went to school, I suppose, you know, younger and, and, and went through primary school, then into high school, like you hear a lot in the, in the news, especially lately too, about how much bullying goes on at school. So I can imagine you put to one side, was it hard to get friends or were people sort of bagging you for, for whatever reason? Surprisingly, to my knowledge, I was never actually bullied in high, like in primary school or high school because of it. Um, it was more so people at certain times were afraid of me just because they obviously were uneducated on people that were born a bit different. Um, and I still remember there was this one particular thing. I lived in a court um, up until I was, I think, nine and probably around about seven or, yeah, maybe like six or seven, there was a house at the end of the street and, you know, everyone in the court were all friends. And I went to go over to this person's house and they had, you know, a sister and I actually like the parents told me I wasn't allowed to come inside. And this, like, I'm like tiny, I'm like six or seven, yeah. like not really understanding why. And yeah, it was, it was because like her daughter was petrified of me just because of the way that I looked. And, you know, I guess there's so many people out there that I guess aren't aware or are sheltered to a certain extent and, you know, you, you walk down the street and stuff and, you know, kids will stare. And when I was little, especially, 
they'll they would tell their kids oh you stop staring but my mum she actually made a point of she's like no let them ask because that was the way I guess they learnt but it also made me feel like I wasn't so different yep. because my mum pushed pushed that and did that did you find by your mum doing that it helped you in hindsight now when you look back at that 100% I think like my both my parents brought me up to think that I'm no different to anyone else mm-hmm. and I've I've lived with that mentality. Like, I don't believe that I've got a disability. I hate that title. I refuse to let people pigeonhole me as that because I don't. Mm. Um, I have a physical difference. I look a little bit different, but so does everyone else. I mean, some people have red hair. Some people have black hair. Um, It's just a little bit different. People ask me, you know, how do you do things with one hand? And my response is, well, how do you do things with two? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Definitely. And a great attitude to have. Yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all for my parents. Because mm. I think a lot of people, and especially I get a lot of people listening. Obviously, there's a a younger crowd also that that watch Bondi Rescue, and I've, you know, and, and and it's an international show now, and I'm getting a lot of people that are listening to the podcast and and sending messages in, and and a lot of them are struggling with different things in their life. But then, you know, you speak to you, yourself, and it's really enlightening that you can. You know, you're just a normal person, and that's what I think a lot of people need yeah. to get. You need to get rid of that the society on 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 you know how they portray people, and and really um, get that message out. So that's that's really good. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people out there that not they don't feel sorry for themselves, but they definitely fall into that that pigeonhole category yep. because they have so many people doubt them, and with that, they t- they tend to believe it. Whereas I've sort of gone the opposite route. And if people doubt me, I'm just like, okay, well, you tell me no, I'm going to show you yes. Mm. I've sort of gone down that avenue instead. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I might even, have, you know, if you swim well, I might even know, you never know, you might be a lifeguard one day. Come down, try out. You could get on the uh, team down there. <laughs> I do have my surf bronze. <laughs> so when you were uh, getting towards your end of your high school, I, I, you, you didn't sit for your year 12 exams what was that reason yeah no my my mum was in a a pretty traumatic car accident so yeah that was in the midst of year 12 studying for exams and yeah she ran the corner from from my house she yeah crashed her car and she ended up breaking her back in three places shattering three vertebrae and yeah she's now held up by she's got like a metal cage around her spinal cord with bolts and plates like holding her upright and stuff so it was that was going 11 years ago now but yeah so I actually gave up my year 12 exams because I was going you know catch a train then a bus in to see my mum every day in the hospital to yeah to look after her and stuff. Right so you're basically just full-time looking after her at that time? Um, well at that time she was still in hospital but I made it my mission to make sure I was by her side all day, every single day. Mm. Yeah, that's very – that'd be yeah. – you know, one, tough seeing your mum like that, but then to commit that much time as well, it's – yeah, that's – not everybody can can do that even though it's a, a loved one. Yeah, and I, I still remember I had so many friends get mad at me because that's when schoolies was all happening as well. Yeah. And back then I was I was very guarded. Everything that was personal to me I kept strictly to myself. 
And I ended up, you know, only one or two people actually knew about it. And I had so many friends actually get angry at me for bailing on schoolies. Yeah. Little did they know I was looking after my mum. <laughs> I know. That's right. You know, you've got to have the, your priorities. I mean, at this day and age, I know um, like my wife does a, does a lot of work with um, festivals and she was at one a few years ago and there's a, a girl, would have only been probably 18, had an overdose and they were trying to revive her and her friends came up and, and I just still to this day can't believe that this would happen. They were complaining because they were trying to work out what she had taken, but they were complaining they were missing the act. You know, oh, is this going to take very long? You know, this poor girl's nearly dead. Wow. And, and, and it's just mind-blowing that, that people, as you're saying, that, you know, they're saying, oh, why aren't you coming to the schoolies? It's like bizarre on this day and age, the way people think. Like there's so there's much bigger things happening in the world like that. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, and that's what I mean. We need to sort of – and I've been trying to do a lot of stuff, especially through the podcast, to try and change the mentality and behaviour of people. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of work with um, – Mental health, obviously, as lifeguards, we deal with a lot of body retrievals. We deal with a lot of suicide. Uh, so that's yeah, something that we need to put in place. But also, you know, you've said in the past that you've been sexually assaulted and physically assaulted. Like that's something that I've been working towards as well with uh, domestic violence. I've done a lot of campaigns to, um, you know, help women in, in that way where, we get that message out there as, you know, being a male myself, it, it, I get embarrassed that, you know, there's, there's men out there treating women like they do. Yeah, I mean, it obviously works both ways. It's not just, you know, men doing it to females. It obviously does work both ways. But I think whether it's females are a lot more vulnerable at certain points um, and I guess they feel, you know, scared when it, when it comes up to, you know, them against like a man, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I guess... Every single time I go out, you know, you get the the occasional like bum grab and stuff, but um, something happened and I've actually never really spoken about it yeah. ever. That happened when I was 19 and it was a little bit more than a, than a sexual assault. Yeah. Um, it actually, you know, I was, you know, I was a virgin and then I wasn't and right. I wasn't by my choice. Yeah, that'd be, um, um, well, a lot physically tough, mentally tough. It'd be a lot something that uh, would be hard to deal with. How did you deal with that yeah. from there? Um, I didn't really deal at all. Um, I ended up in hospital actually because I tried to end my life because I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. Sorry, I'm getting all shaky. No, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, and it was something that I never sort of really dealt with. I just tried to forget it. Um, but... Yeah, a couple of years ago, it was only, I think, two years ago. I, like, since that point, I was very much, you know, stood up for myself. You know, there's been times, you know, I've hit people that have, you know, touched me and, and mm. stuff like that. Whereas, yeah, this particular time, I didn't react in the way that I usually would. So I was grabbed from behind. I turned around and I just knocked knocked his hat off and he clocked me one in the face and knocked mm. all my teeth in, like right. my front teeth. So I, w I was lucky because I was there for my brother's birthday and, you know, I was with a whole bunch of guys. So they were obviously very protective. Yeah. Um, but that scarred me, like that affected me more than I've ever been affected. I think it's because it brought up past things as well. Mm. And 
you know, I was on a soup diet for, you know, like two months. I ended up, you know, having to get wires and stuff along my teeth and in my mouth to try and fix it. They He broke the bone that ran across the top of my... Oh, right, the top like, of your mouth, under your nose there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that was the first time I had ever sort of had so much anxiety to the point, you know, for a whole year I didn't actually go out into the city. I would, wouldn't go out at night time. I would very rarely go out, you know, during during the day in the city. Um, and, yeah, I sort of like really kept to myself for a whole year. Um, and it wasn't until a year later um, that I actually went out for the first time. And I was actually with my brother for his birthday again, but we were in Europe, right. um, which was awesome. But yeah. So you basically kept a lot of the stuff to yourself. You didn't sort of have anyone to, to speak to about it or anything like that? Um, no, I definitely had people to speak to, but back then and I've really learned from it is I used to bottle everything and hold everything completely to myself, for myself, and always, you know, have the persona that I'm happy all the time. And it wasn't until, you know, probably about a year ago that I actually realised how unhealthy that was. And bottling everything up just means you're just putting on the shelf, but one day that shelf is going to get too heavy and it's going to completely and utterly crumble. And you're just going to be under the entirety of that mess that you've just been bottling up. So I learned that the hard way. And, you know, I've learned that it's it's okay not to be okay sometimes. It's okay to talk to people. It's okay to lean on people, which is something that I never did. I loved being that person for other people, but I always refused to do it myself. Mm. Whereas now I'm at that point where if I know something's up, I'll happily talk to someone about it because I know now that that's the absolute healthiest way to do it. Um, and I saw a psychologist for a, for a whole year, which for years, you know, I, like people were just like, oh, maybe you should see someone, maybe you should talk to someone. And I was like, no, I don't need to, I don't need to. But that was one of the best things I ever did. Yeah. So, Well, I think it's great that you're speaking about it because it helps so – you'd be surprised how much – what you've just said will help so many people when they listen to this podcast because there's so many people in the same situation that don't know where to turn to. And, you know, the, as you said, that if they don't know how to deal with it, the next thing is suicide. And I think it's um, great that you're, you should just keep, you know, speaking about it, even though it, it possibly could be hard for yourself, but it is, will dead set help so many people. Yeah, well, what I've learned the past year, the reason I sort of changed my tune and became okay with talking about things is, although it may be hard for me, if it potentially can help even one person, then I'll happily talk about it. I will happily be an open book if it's something that will benefit someone else 100%. And that's like, that's another thing, like in terms of the race, like being able to have that platform for, you know, that that avenue of trying to get things out but yeah and also you um i suppose through your life you would have been told no a lot you know how'd you get through that yeah being told <laughs> i've heard no more more times <laughs> than i ever had yes whether it be trying out for squad for basketball or whether it be you know a modeling gig just absolutely anything just like oh no you don't really fit it um but i've always sort of 
use that as, I guess, sort of fuel or ammunition to ignite what's inside of me just to keep pushing forward. It's like I'll continuously get knocked down, but I will continue to get up as long as I've got, you know, even one step, it's still a step in the right direction in my eyes. And one of the hardest ones was last year I applied for a para, like a paramedic college yep. and I got in, which was awesome. I was ecstatic over the moon and it wasn't until my orientation when the head teacher saw that, you know, I only had one hand and they terminated my enrollment right then and there. They refused to talk to me. It was only through someone else via what she said saying that, oh, you know, there's there's just a lot of carrying involved. You know, I sent an email, I'm just like, you know, I've been a, a camp instructor and I've run a camp for the past 10 years. I'm more than capable. I do this, I do that, I do this. And then they came back and they're just like, oh, no, it's actually to do with this. So they never gave me a direct sort of answer. They just assumed that I couldn't do it because they thought that they wouldn't be able to do it with one hand. So, well, you know, is that, I'm always going to get there. Yeah. Is that frustrating no. for you that people, they'll assume something without actually sitting down and speaking to you first where you might be able to explain something and then they will turn around and go, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. It's, it's infuriating, um, frustrating and somewhat, I guess, heartbreaking just because they're so set in their ways yeah. that they're not open-minded enough to be like, okay, well, if you think you can do it, like we'll let you try type thing. It's more so, oh, no, nah, this is the way that we do it. That's mm-hmm. the only way. And that's where you know, having the incredible opportunity to go on the amazing race because it it has, by the looks of it, opened so many people's eyes to the fact that, you know what, like, yeah, she's only got one hand, but she can do absolutely everything, if not better, mm. with that one hand than what we could do with two. Um, and I will continue to keep pushing that. You know, I'm going to – I'm striving to be a motivational speaker to make sure that message stays out there and I'm going to keep – you know, pushing to achieve that because, you know, keep throwing those no's at me because it's just yeah. going to give me more fuel to to force those yeses upon everyone else. Yeah, it's a perfect attitude to have. And, you know, I've seen people and, – and you know what? I've seen a lot of young kids come through the beaches that have got nothing wrong with them. They've got massive amount of talent, but then just throw all that away and go nowhere near where they should. And then you've got someone like yourself who just, you know, keeps going as – do everything you possibly can do and it's great out for people out there to see that and I think the the more that you uh, yeah do all these talks and and get it out there um, so many more people will uh, will appreciate it but also hopefully we can change the way people perceive different people you know get away from that stigma of putting everyone in their little little box and and, and that's where they all should be you know just to change it yeah, I really hope so. I wish and I really hope that those stereotype pigeonholes, they get completely and utterly smushed and everyone's just on an equal playing field pretty much. Because I, I do a lot of um, my campaign lately is float to survive and if you float, you're not going to drown and, and that works in all waterways. And I went to a, an area where there was a, a young girl who's got cerebral palsy. Now, she can't do anything herself she's in the wheelchair can't stand up anyway they've designed a pool where they've put her into the pool 
And they said, oh, no, we can't put her in. It's impossible that she'll be able to do anything. Well, you know what? After, you know, it took probably 12 months, she now can float on her own in the water. She could, you should see her face when she can actually stand up because the water holds her and she's actually standing in the water where she can't do on land. You know? And all these people were, were saying, you, you, you can't do it. But someone like that, she is just so determined and she did it. And, and she loves just going swimming. It's something she's very limited on what she can do with anything in life. But that gives us such satisfaction. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, I mean, prime example, very similar sort of example. Um, my next-door neighbour, um, her name is Melina, and she's very much the same. But she does, you know, indoor skydiving all the time. Yep. She obviously, you know, she talks through, um, you know, the key, like keyboard and stuff. But things that she does... Just likewise, um, this girl that you're talking about is people looking just like, oh, no, they won't be able to do that. But they can do absolutely anything as yep. long as, you know, they obviously believe in themselves. They just need, you know, other people to as well. It's it's not that much to ask to be open-minded and be, you know, willing to even just give someone the opportunity to, you know, try it. Yeah. So also I, I just want to see, you said you're, you're uh, quite a good swimmer. Have you ever been to the beach and, and been caught in a rip or have you seen someone else or you've had to rescue someone over the years in a rip at all? Yeah, actually very recently, um, probably about two weeks ago because um, I just moved up to the Gold Coast and I've actually, I, I'll i be honest, I'm not someone <laughs> that really swims in between the flags. <laughs> I've actually been told off at Bondi a few yeah. years ago. Hopefully it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and this this girl actually got caught and she was really struggling. I could feel it dragging at my feet. Um, and I asked these girls' friends, I'm like, is your friend okay? And they're just like, yeah, yeah, she's fine. And I was watching, I was she was getting further out, she was getting more tired. I'm like, I don't think she's I don't think she's okay. And they're just like, no, 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 she's okay. And then the um, lifeguards literally just like ran and swam straight past me, got her and stuff, and I was like that could have ended so badly because, I mean, I was only on the corner of it and the force that yep. that had, I've never been caught in one myself, yep. but just on that very edge, like you can really feel the force of yeah, it. How fast it moves. But, and, and really if you float and go with the flow of the water, 90% of uh, rips will take you to the sandbank where you can stand up or the, where the waves are breaking to, to come back to shore. So you know, if people just uh, use the ocean to, to their, for their assistance, but there's the panic that that they uh, sets in, and what they want to do is swim back from where they entered. So where you were standing is where they all go in. But if you get taken yeah. away from that point for some reason, they all want to come back and exit where they enter. So yeah, yeah basically they're swimming straight back inward again. Yeah, definitely. You just got to trust the ocean. That's just it. Go with it. Go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> What's the ocean mean to you? Obviously, now you're living in the Gold Coast. You get down the beach. Yeah, a bit. I think I have about seven tattoos, which is all about the ocean. I've got twelve all up, but I think yeah, right. seven are all ocean related. But the ocean to me, not only is it something that you know I feel very tranquil, like the tranquility and stuff, but I actually have um, a tattoo on my hip that says Thalassophil, which is right. lover of the ocean, lover of the sea, and it's sort of where I've always been drawn but mainly because there's so much out there that is so undiscovered. Yeah. 
And there's so much things out there that we'll, we'll never understand either. But it also, to me, represents a lot of people. You know, you always, there's so much beauty on the surface and stuff, but you never know what's underneath. Yep. And, you know, certain things happen. And honestly, just like the waves, you know, coming into the, the sandbank and mm. erasing whatever's written in the sand, that's very much like pe- like people as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Like the ocean, I guess, represents not only beauty, but there's there's so much unknown with it as well. Yeah, so. I'd, um, I was thinking a while ago, I've been a lifeguard now for 30 years and I was trying to work out how much time I've actually watched the ocean and then also as a kid, you know, coming down as a kid and going surfing and the amount of time that I've watched the ocean, I, the hours must be unbelievable. I just... Uh, no way of working that out, but you know, I, I can sit and watch the ocean, you know, forever. It's just something that uh, the way the waves break, the way the water moves, the wind, you know, this that whole structure of, of that. And you know, we're lucky at Bondi that a lot of dolphins come through. There's a lot of marine life, seals, and you know, whales and everything. So it's you know, it's amazing lifestyle being around the beach. Yeah, one hundred percent. Two years ago, I um, was on some mates' jet skis, and we went out past the, like past um, the break and all that sort of stuff. And it was just, just dolphins everywhere. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. I did get a bit seasick just sitting on the jet <laughs> ski going up and down, but yeah, that was absolutely amazing. And you, just seeing them in their natural habitat, opposed to, you know, being trapped in, a, like aquariums and stuff. It's absolutely amazing and. There's, there's just so much out there that's not discovered, which I don't know, it's just exciting. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty out there. And, you know, I go do a lot of ocean ski paddling and, and you go from like 20 kilometres from one point to another. And, you know, sometimes you're probably about four or five k's off the off the coast and, you know, running with the, yeah. the runs and everything. And, you know, you'll, you often get a, a whale will pop up or a shark or a dolphin or something will be coming past. And it's just like you're in – their environment but it's just so surreal you know it's a, a, and when you finish it, yeah. it makes you feel you know like you're 100 percent alive yeah definitely i mean you're going into a, a territory that you're not your you know your natural you know area mm. so yeah it's amazing and just seeing them and what they can do it's just like wow <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's what's the future now for for you yeah the future now is the book has been opened. It's got so much potential. I have no idea where it's going to lead. I mean, I've got hopes of, you know, going into a motivational sort of avenue and just being able to help as many people as I possibly can. You know, I feel like that's my purpose. And if, if given the opportunity and, and, you know, if I'm able to, to build that as, you know, a profession, then even if I'm just helping one person, that's amazing. But being able to help multiple, I think, will be absolutely, yeah, absolutely incredible. So that's that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, that's a uh, perfect way to go. Just one thing before we yeah. finish, I want to know, Sky Blue, was that <laughs> at birth you were given that name or Blue just came in at the end, maybe because you sat and watched the ocean for so long? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was actually from birth. Originally, it was only meant to be Sky, and then my middle name was meant to be Blue Anne because Blue sort of is in representation of my nana because her eyes are so blue. Right. 
But because I was born a little bit different, my mum wanted to give me a different name to to match. So that's where Sky Blue comes into it. Oh, it's, so it's not a hippie name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's actually got a really beautiful meaning behind it. Well, it's um, been great chatting, Sky, and I, I think uh, what you're doing is is magnificent. Um, I think you'll help so many people and keep doing it. And uh, hopefully, I'll get you back in the beach shack one day, and uh, we'll uh, have another catch up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'd love to. I hope you enjoyed this interview. What an incredible and positive person Sky is. Next up. Beach Banner with Lifeguard Maxie. Hello, Maxie. Welcome, mate, to the Beach Shack. It's good to be back in the shack. This is my third time and I'm loving it. That's unreal, mate. Uh, You've now, you know, you're a lifeguard for a long time, still a casual lifeguard, but you've got other interests now out there and you've uh, created this company uh, and you're doing a lot of great work with the kids. Why don't you tell us yeah, about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, myself and my business partner, Lee Mason, started Live, Learn, Survive, started the company, and basically we teach water safety and fire safety around Australia and the UK. Uh, we have aspirations to go further, but you know, due to COVID, it's been a bit hard. But basically, we've ta- we do face-to-face stuff in schools, libraries, or clubs, and we've made it COVID-proof now where we do a lot of stuff online digital so we can teach in the schools got three children's books maxi the lifeguard they meet the australian curriculum part of the teacher's notes so the teachers get the books they teach the kids the books then i come in and do kind of like a water safety fire safety just you know general safety chat and it all works well together um and i'm in the process of working on book four at the moment so hopefully that's out by next year but yeah so me and lee we, you know we work around the clock trying to get the education out there and you know juggling between being a full-time firefighter and working on the beach as a casual um i do have a little bit of extra time to to you know do this stuff around australia and um you know it's slowly picking up and we've got a lot of real lot of cool things to come in the future and that one of the books uh, won an award in the yeah. years yeah so last year the second book uh, got the environmental award for australian children's literature which is cool, even though they're water safety books and they're beach safety, we had an element of environmental side and we got recognized for that. So that's awesome to be able to to create these things and give kids and young adults a chance to learn through the books. Um, me and Lee, like I said, work around, around the clock to come up with these products and come up with these, you know, these... Um, you know, I think it's say? a great initiative um, yeah. to get out there and... You know, you're teaching the kids with water safety, but you're also teaching the kids about, you know, fire safety. So yeah. the combination is is very, very good. And uh, I think the kids love it when you turn up out there. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's cool because it's I'm still relevant with the both jobs. So, um, you know, sometimes I could do a shift on the beach and then I'll fly to Brisbane and do a school up there and they'll ask me questions about the beach. And I say, well, yesterday we had this rescue and, oh, the other day I had this house fire. So I want to make sure that, it stays relevant with the jobs that I do and very, very lucky to still be a lifeguard and, and obviously being a full-time fiery, I, I can put all the expertise and the, the passion into teaching. Yeah, and I, I remember a funny story when you were um, you know, kicking off, but we did a, a talk at a school together years ago and uh, we've turned up and the, the, the auditorium there is packed with kids and <laughs> you know, probably what year round, year eight, year nine, yeah. and 
wandered in and, and you know, I thought, yeah, how good's uh, this? They're all screaming and yelling, you know. I'm thinking, oh, I've still got it. You know, old bloke still got it here. And they're not realising they're only really yelling yeah. at Maxi. No, and uh, one of the girls came up and this put it into, um, put my reality and ego into check because they came up and every single one that was screaming at Maxi, they'd look at me and go, my mum loves you. So <laughs> that put it in per- yeah. perspective pretty quick. Oh, definitely, mate. Definitely. No, but it, it's good. Like uh, a lot of th- a lot of things that people don't realise. I was that kid that used to be embarrassed to speak in front of crowds. I used to be a reluctant reader as a child. You know, never really grew up reading books. I've always, you know, having ADD, I was always reluctant and I was always 100 mile an hour and I still am like that. But it's good to be able to fast forward a few years and all those little anxieties used to get you know, before I start doing this, you know, they slowly slip away and then you could actually use it to your advantage and actually try and not just speak to the kids that are interested, but speak to the kids that aren't as interested or disconnected in a way and try and get them involved and engaged. And, you know, me and Lee really focus on, you know, looking after every child, not just individual kids. Well, you know, that's a a great point, Maxie, and it's a tip out there for everyone listening. And if you're a young person, you know, if you're struggling at school and, you know, Put your mind to whatever you really want to do. And Max is a perfect example that he's worked hard, kept going, never given up, and then uh, the results come. So anyone out there, yeah, never give up. Never give up. And anyone that is listening to the, the Beach Shack at the moment, you know, just check out the website, lifeguardmaxie.com.au, and uh, all the information about school staff, books, libraries, uh, what we do, Live, Learn, Survive. You know, get in touch and also through Instagram as well, Live, Learn, Survive. Great stuff, Maxie. And, thanks, uh, Hoppo. Thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks for having me at the shack, mate. Always great having Maxie in the beach shack. If you want to find out more about the Live, Learn, Survive program, check out their education page. Coming up next, I answer letters from the mailbag. This letter's from Sian, and she's from Singapore. Is there a lot of difference between a pool lifeguard and an ocean lifeguard? Well, pretty much everything's quite similar. You'll need to um, have observation skills to make sure no one's drowning. You also uh, need your first aid skills and your resuscitation skills. So pretty much very similar. The only difference is as we deal with waves in the ocean and, and the pools are flat. So as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, very similar. Being a lifeguard anywhere in the world, Uh, The only difference is you need a bit more skill in the ocean uh, when you're dealing with waves. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.